Welcome into Tales Never Fails. My name is Steve Kramer. Appreciate you checking out the show. Follow us on Twitter at TNF underscore podcast. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. On today's show, we're continuing our Team Needs series with the Miami Dolphins. On the last episode, we discussed the offseason plan for the Green Bay Packers. If you missed that episode, be sure to check it out. I'm joined today by Parker Hurley. Parker, how you doing, bud? Doing good, man. Yeah, the, the Miami Dolphins, number 13, as we go you know, through the draft order to preview every team's offseason needs. They're one of the most fascinating teams because... We were kind of saying before the podcast, you know, um, they're, at least there's reports that they're trying to tank or they're going to, you know, kind of wipe the slate clean and try and rebuild from the very, very start. And they're kind of in for the long term. So uh, really fascinating to see what they do this year. Absolutely. We can uh, get right into the, their quarterback situation with them. Uh, they have Tannehill on the books for two more years, but they might be making a move there. Yeah, that's what all the reports seem to say is, um, and it kind of goes in line with, you know, they're going to tank, they're going to start a new regime, you know, they have a new head coach in Flores, new OC in Brian O'Shea, or Chad O'Shea, so, you know, they're going to restart this thing, and, you know, they could save about $13 million getting rid of Tannehill. I'm pretty sure they could save a little more if they're able to trade him, and if you listen to our Bengals podcast, um, you would know that Zach Taylor the new head coach for the Cincinnati Bengals has a lot of connections to Ryan Tannehill and he's looking to trade a guy in Andy Dalton. I'm not saying that I think they're going to just swap Andy Dalton to Miami and Tannehill to Cincy. I do think Tannehill could definitely end up in Cincy via trade and I think that Cincy could find a partner and Miami could find a way to, you know, reap a little bit of rewards here um, in terms of, you know, draft equity for the most part um, and salary cap relief. And if you are, you know, reading, like I just said, about some of the tank ideas or, you know, some of the ideas of let's restart this thing from, you know, this all the way, you know, top to bottom. Um, it starts with, you know, saving some calories, salary cap and um, getting some draft picks back. So hopefully that's what they're going to try and do with Tannehill. If not, like I said, they're going to, uh, they could cut him and save 13 million, million for sure. So it sounds like that's what they're going to do as far as a replacement. Um, I guess we're, we're going to see, you know, they're one of those teams that could, um, draft Kyler Murray or somebody and you know um, I know somebody said that you know you don't really want to do this but um, if you draft him in one year it just goes to crap or you know if he goes to the MLB you know all of a sudden you know you have that first pick again which is kind of what they were going for anyways but I think they would obviously like to get a foundation piece in this draft but I don't know what they're going to do at quarterback you know there are some reports that you know Rudock and Luke Falk are going to battle it out in training camp you know what I mean on the surface that sounds awful and then you remember that the Bills just last year had AJ McCarron taking on Nate Peterman in training camp so um you know that's potentially what they're looking at here I don't know I think I think their idea is they're going to go draft or they might even whether it not be Kyler Murray even like the mid rounds take a quarterback who like I said might just compete with these guys um and then if if it doesn't work then they're going to just draft a quarterback again next year yeah and they definitely uh they had a little bit of success at their running back position which we'll move on to here um they have Ballage and Kenyon Drake come back next year. Um, Frank Gore is a UFA, and also Brandon Bolden is as well. Um, those two showed a little bit last year, but do you think they're going to add something here or just roll with the two guys they have and maybe supplement through free agency and draft? Yeah, this is where, you know, this podcast becomes one of the tougher ones compared to some of the other teams where, like I said, you know, they want to start fresh. They want to get fresh faces in here. They want to, you know, take the long-term approach. 
um, the long-term approach obviously doesn't include a guy like Frank Gore. So I, I kind of would be surprised um, if they brought it. I know, you know, you need some locker room leadership, you know, some veteran status, but still would be a little bit surprised or if they do bring back Frank Gore, it would kind of be just as a, you know, cheap veteran minimum player because um, he does though, he continually beats out Kenyon Drake because he can run between the tackles, you know, better than Kenyon Drake can. I think a lot of people bought into last season saying, oh, this is Kenyon Drake's breakout season only to learn that, you know, whether it's Adam Gase or not, his usage, um, you know, maybe he's not an every down between the tackles type of player. Um, Kalen Balaj has, you know, some of the size to be that more than Drake does, has the size and durability to be that, but he's not necessarily there either. He's kind of just like a hit or miss player who could break a big one. So, um, like I said, I don't know if they're necessarily bring back Gore, but I also don't necessarily know if they're set at running back. You know, they could be looking at these guys saying, you know, yeah, Adam Gase is crazy for, you know, drafting even Balazs and, you know, Drake, we kind of know is just a scat back, you know, let's get somebody in here. So that's, that's where I'm saying that it's kind of tough. I think they're going to at least bring in one person from the outside. I don't think, I don't think they're going to spend money on running back. That's for sure. I think they're going to either draft or, you know, bring in a cheap depth name. Um, kind of similar to the Frank Gore mold, but maybe, you know, like cheaper or, or younger potentially. So um, that's kind of how I see it. I think they're going to bring in a, a name or two. I don't think they're going to be big names, but I think that there's potential that um, they slowly, you know, work some of those guys in and potentially work some of the other guys out. But that's where it's tough to say with the, you know, re- new regime. Yeah, and then looking at the uh, the pass catchers, they have um, Kenny Stills and Parker and Albert Wilson and Amendola. All those guys come back. I mean, Leonte Carew is the only free agent that I see for 2019. Um, what do you think they're going to end up doing here with these pass catchers? Yeah, this is another one where it's going to be interesting. Um, I'm pretty sure that they can't get rid of um, – or Stills, it does, I don't think it necessarily makes sense to get out of Stills at this point. Um, I think next year they could get out of Stills. So I think Stills and Wilson will for sure be back next season. Um, just because of their contract situation. Devontae Parker is an interesting, you know, proposition because he's an upside first-round pick, but, you know, it's it's been, what, this is his fifth year now, um, and I think they could opt out of that, opt out of his fifth year this season um, because I don't think he has any injury ties or anything like that. So I think they could get out of his contract this season, and, you know, but I, that's definitely something they, they could do, you know, save about $9 million. And Danny Amendola, too, they could save about $6 million. While Flores comes to the Patriots, I don't think many of his... <clears throat> You know, I don't think he's bringing a receivers coach who's like, oh, yeah, Danny Amendola, we're keeping him for what he is. You know, and um, he has injury questions, too. And like I said, I think a lot of the idea is almost at every position, like we're kind of scraping this thing clean. You know, there's nothing really, you know, nobody has earned the right to stay in Miami, you know, with this new regime yet. You know, not Stills, not Albert Wilson. You know, Wilson's coming off of an injury. But, I mean, yeah, those two are going to be back. I think Devontae and Amendola are expendable. And then, you know, you expend those guys, you save about $15 million, and then you try and, you know, replace those, you know, most likely with younger players or most likely in the draft. Yeah, and then the other end of those pass catchers at tight end, uh, Mike Kosicki, you know, not really an inline blocker. Um, haven't really seen a whole lot from him. Uh, do you, they're going to need to supplement with something for these tight end group here. They do have Cleary, though, but this is his last year. Yeah, I'll throw in Isaiah Ford as like a sleeper receiver that I kind of liked, but he hasn't gotten the chance yet, and I don't know if he'll get the chance with this new regime. But Gasicki, I mean, because he was just drafted last year, you'd have to think that there's, you know, some, um, you know, whereas, like I said, a lot of these other guys, you're kind of just saying, yeah, take her, take it or pass him. Um, I think Gasicki is a guy where you're trying to say, 
no, let's see what we can get out of this guy, you know, on the field next season. Um, I think, you know, and I kind of highlighted it in their season preview podcast that I thought Dow Loggins was the absolute worst person to put with Mike Gesicki. Um, and I think that showed, you know, that, and I don't think Dow Loggins is a great head, you know, uh, offensive, co- you know, mind really. So um, I thought he was, you know, a bad idea with Mike Gesicki. He couldn't get creative with his usage in Gesicki. Um, and you would think that, you know, hopefully what the Dolphins are saying is, yeah, I mean, let's just use him as pretty much a big slot receiver. Like I said, you know, maybe Danny Amendola isn't there in the slot. Maybe Albert Wilson's, you know, coming back from injury. But this guy can play in the slot. Um, And like you said, doesn't bring much as a blocker. So you're really looking for a blocker. I mean, Durham Smythe is just a pure blocker. It's just can he take that step forward? And, you know, he's a player where I don't think, you know, there's enough invested in him that the regime's kind of pushed to play him. So they might want to get a player or two of their own in there. But I think some of the, you know, uh, some of the other needs kind of outweigh the tight end. But uh, they're definitely going to add a blocker. It's just, you know, of how much uh, pedigree or how high up, you know, how much draft capital or salary cap are they going to put into it. Probably not too much to add, you know, just another uh, blocker into the mix there. Yeah, and then rounding out the offense uh, with the guys up front, Looks like they're bringing back five offensive linemen on contract next year, and then they got eight uh, pending free agents. What do you see? How do you see that one uh, laying out for them? Yeah, and I mean, this is a position where you really just um, they're just going to you know scrap it all pretty much, or you know just build it build it up a little bit, try to for the most part, you know, um, even Josh Sitton and Kilgore, like you said, they're on contract. Um, I don't know, you know, both of them could just be let go of, you know, I know Kilgore's was just signed last year and he's not on the cap for much, but, um, he has an injury question and he could pretty much just be wiped clean and it would save him 3.6 in 2020. And, you know, that's what they're kind of looking for anyways. Sitton could save him about five. He's got injury issues. Um, the bears let him go about two years ago or I think it was just last year, you know, thinking he was a little bit over the hill. And um, I think it kind of proved itself in that, you know, he wasn't able to put together a full season for the Dolphins right after he was let go. You know, it was like the Packers let him go thinking he was a little too old. The Bears got one or two more years out of him, squeezed the juice, and then let him go. And now now it seems like he's kind of really done. So, I mean, yeah, you really start to look into this thing. And you say, well, they're going to start Laramie Tunsil at left tackle next season. And you know, that's like, that's the most of it. I mean, Ted Larson um, is a depth guy, in my opinion, but because of the fact that you have so much turnover, could potentially have to be a starter next season, you would like to sign Juwan James due to the fact that he was your second best offensive lineman last season, you know, behind Tunsil, and he's a free agent, and, you know, he's young enough that you'd like to bring him back, but, you know, he's also one of the best tackles on the market, and like I said, this is not necessarily a team saying, let's get guys in here for next year, this is a team saying, let's save all of our assets for a big, you know, coming future, so, I mean, do you sign a guy who, you know, his age 28 season is just going to be a waste, you know, because, like I said, you're not really, you know, going all in next season, so his age 28 season is not that great. His age 29 season is when you're going from, like, you know, a couple wins to, you know, building something, so then, you know, you're really hoping, all you're hoping for is that window of, like, his age 30 season and his age 31 season, and that's, like, right on the edge of, you know, is his game going to slowly start to fall off, so how much do you want to sign a guy for two years of, you know, his, of his age 30 and his age 31 season, that's three years down the line with a guy like Jawan James. You know, you want to bring Jawan James back, but you're looking at this regime and saying, you know, is it worth it? So um, that's where it's crazy. You know, Laramie Tunsil, they could save us a ton of money and they could really just um, potentially just go four completely new names with this new head coaching staff with all these new resources. And I mean, yeah, that's, that's honestly what I'm thinking is, you know, potentially Tunsil and just a bunch of new guys. 
Yeah, it could be a lot of turnover on the offense. Moving on to the defensive side of the ball, looking at the D-line, um, they have you know Cameron Wake's a pendant free agent. Um, he's getting up there in age, 37 now. I'm not sure that they're going to bring him back. They do have some guys under contract next year that could make a difference on the D-line. Yeah, just another position where, you know, um, how much are you really going to bring back? I think that what is interesting about Miami is with bringing in Brian Flores. I think one of the big things with Brian Flores that maybe makes him different than some of the old Patriots guys is um, he, more than any of these coaches, and it really showed in the playoffs, is not tied to any defense. You know, he's not a 3-4 guy, and he's not a 4-3 guy. He's a let's change every week based on our opponent guy. You know, that was that was kind of like his his common ground with Bill Belichick, in my opinion. So I think he could shape this defense really whatever mold he wants to right now. Um, but it does, you know, just like the offensive line, involve potentially, you know, scraping out some of these, you know, pieces and, you know, just building it all back up with, you know, just completely not even, you know, players. Like you said, Cameron Wake, he's age 37. He would be nice and, you know, similarly to Frank Gore if he wants to stay in Miami and he wants to come back on the cheap and he wants to, you know, be that type of player. But, um, you know, he's still actually a decent little player. So there's a chance that someone, you know, says, oh, he's the missing piece, you know. Um, for our defensive line, you know, we really need to give him, you know, a few extra bucks, and I could see him being gone. Um, Andre Branch is approaching the age 30 season. He could save them $7 million this season. I mean, they could keep him in the terms of he's a veteran. They're not going to bring him back for 2020, but they also could say, you know what, we're, you know, like I said, we're not trying to have veterans in here and, and you know, win just enough football games to get the seventh overall pick. Um, we want to save $7 million this year, and that could be Andre Branch heading out the door. So then you're looking at it, and I mean, Charles Harris, former first-round pick, hasn't necessarily blossomed. Some of the reason he hasn't necessarily blossomed, oh, the other one is Robert Quinn, who I think you could just save $12 million by getting rid of him. And while he had a decent little season, um, you know, I, I keep saying, you know, he's not in the long-term plans. He's going to save him $12 million immediately. Like, why wouldn't they, in my opinion? But um, that's where Charles um, Harris, like I said, hasn't had the opportunity because guys like Wake, guys like Quinn, you know, are consistently there. I feel like it's a season where Charles Wake just gets all the snaps in the world. And if Charles, you know, Harris takes steps, he's, you know, we're going to take him in 2020, you know, fifth year option, all that stuff. Um, and we're going to start talking extension. If he has a bad year in 2019 and we gave him all the snaps in the world, he's probably not a guy, you know, for us moving forward. So it's a year, you know, you find out everything you have in Charles Harris. Um, you put some, you know, um, like I said, you turn maybe, you know, some of the seven from Branch, some of the 12 from Quinn around, and, you know, you kind of get some younger guys to put around Charles Harris. Um, look at the interior, even, you know, Akeem Spence, for one more year, he'll be around. God Chow, uh, Taylor, same thing with, you know, Harris in the terms of they're cheap, they're depth players, we'll give them as many snaps as they can handle, and, you know, if they rise to the, you know, occasion, then they're in the mix, you know, moving forward. If they don't, then there's really just no hassle to get rid of them. So, I mean, yeah, I don't see the need, you know, William Hayes probably gone, you know, he's 34, what's the point? Hey, uh, Wake probably gone, 37, what's the point? You know, Quinn and Branch, I would definitely say, you know, there's a good chance that Quinn and Branch will be gone as well, so um, big year for Charles Harris. The rest of them, I mean, I don't, there's not enough upside in really any of the rest of these guys to, um, even a guy like Jameis Pittman, I mean, there's not enough upside to really say anything yet. So, um, just another position where, yeah, they're going to scrape it clean, put, you know, as many assets this year into it. But really, the idea is we have all these assets for 2020 potentially. Yeah. I mean, you touched on Quinn already looking at, uh, linebackers we can move on to now. You know, there's another guy that probably 
should move on to, at least I know in your opinion. Um, you can touch on linebackers a little bit here. Yeah, it just seems like they're going to get rid of Kiko Alonso. Um, you know, he was he's had ups and downs with the team. I know even Miami fans are kind of, you know, some are on him and some are off of what he brings to the table. I wasn't necessarily a fan, especially this season. I thought he really kind of took a tail off. And, I mean, I think, you know, obviously a new regime change, but they brought in Raekwon McMillan and Jerome Baker. In my opinion, with a lot of the idea of, you know, these are probably the two guys moving forward and we can slowly get Kiko out of here. And um, I think you started to see Baker get more snaps over Kiko um, and McMillan in the nickel in the nickel situations. And by the end of the season, I think uh, Kiko, I know potentially was injury issues, but he was uh, he was inactive. So they could save, what, about $6 million by cutting him too? Or uh, they could save about five million by getting rid of him too, but then they could save eight million in twenty twenty, and that's where I keep saying is like no matter what, if they keep Kiko because he's a veteran, no matter what in twenty twenty he's not on the roster, so what's it matter to them? You know they're gonna get rid of Kiko Alonso in my opinion, and what does that do? Um, it plays you know Raekwon was like a second round pick, Jerome Baker like a fourth or fifth round pick, but like I said he showed flashes as a, as a rookie. Um, Miami in my opinion is saying hey. Let's throw Raekwon and Jerome Baker to the fire. If they fail, they fail, and they're not on the roster in 2020. If they make it, then they're guys to build around. You know, so it's the same thing in all these spots. Um, get rid of all the veterans. You know, play all the rookies as much as possible. Maybe bring in, you know, uh, a few rookies. I think they're going to revamp the offensive line and defensive line um, way more than they're going to revamp the linebackers because I think with Key or with uh, Raekwon and Jerome, I think they're they're going to potentially roll in with those two as starters. So. Um, Put a ton of assets into the O-line and D-line is kind of how I see it so far. Yeah, and then um, we might actually have something here looking at the secondary. Um, there's definitely some playmakers back here, so that might be you know the one position group on the roster that they can just kind of roll forward with. Right, and it kind of ties into what I was saying with Flores. The good thing with him is he likes versatility, and he really showed versatility in the back end. You know, um, on the Super Bowl run, you know, especially against a guy like Jared Goff, you know, showing the versatility and, you know, the McCourty brothers can kind of play each spot and, you know, uh, a lot of their cornerbacks can move in and out of the slot. So, you know, he probably looks at Minka Fitzpatrick as an extremely valuable commodity in the fact that, you know, he can play single high, he can play in the box, he can play slot, and he can play outside. So, um, you know, Mink isn't a player that's just going to play almost every single snap. You know, Rashad Jones has a big-time extension. Um, he's on the books. You know, he's actually a player that 2020 and beyond, he's like the only player on the on the freaking roster, it seems like, you know, that's not on a rookie deal and that is going to be on the team, you know, beyond 2020. He's like the only player. So um, I, I think, you know, he's one of the best safeties in the NFL when he's going and he's healthy and everything like that. And I think a guy like Flores, who, like I said, shows a lot of versatility in the secondary. I think those two will link up and be good together. So, so um, you add in, he's a good safety. Um, Minka can play a lot of stuff. Um, TJ McDonald is coming back from an injury, I believe. So um, he's going to play a little more free. Um, and then, yeah, Xavier Howard's a, a emerging cornerback, you know. And then Bobby McCain is pretty much a slot cornerback for the most part. So, I mean, kind of on paper, you got McDonald and Jones are your safeties. McCain, Minka, and Xavier are your uh, cornerbacks. Cordrea Tankersley is a young cornerback on a rookie salary. You know, like I said, they're not going to cut a guy like him. They're going to see what they have in a guy like him because he's young and cheap and, you know, uh, all that stuff. Even Tory McTire, I think, is a, uh, a depth guy in terms of slot cornerback play. So because Minka's so versatile, they kind of have depth everywhere. 
And because, you know, Minka's on a rookie contract, Xavier's on a rookie contract, um, Bobby McCain and Rashad Jones were some of the only players extended. Even TJ McDonald are, um, yeah, they're like the only three players um, that are going to be on the roster, like I said, two years from now. Uh, the secondary is like the only spot where they actually, it looks like they kind of have it right now and they don't have to invest a lot of resources in. Yeah, I mean, it looks like, you know, a ton of turnover here for the Dolphins, but, like, the last decade has kind of been, you know, them stuck in kind of mediocrity to, like, eight, maybe maxing out at nine wins. Um, maybe they can build something here with Flores going forward, though. Right, yeah, it just seems like, um, and, you know, the Dolphins beat writers are reporting it, and I think, you know, hey, it's... It's not like the players are going to tank. The players are going to go out there and try their hardest. So you never know what's going to happen. And like I said, if they hit it right in the draft and in free agency in terms of they're going to build up their D-line and O-line. But I think they're kind of saying just tampering expectations in terms of, you know, don't expect Sean McVay, you know, takes over the Jeff Fisher Rams and they're in the playoffs the next year. Um, We're going to take the long route here. So that's just that's just what the the, kind of mood or the situation sounds like in Miami. Yep, and I don't have anything else to add, Parker. We can kind of wrap this one up, but um, that's number 13 for us with the Dolphins, and we'll catch you guys later.